When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Gotta tell you about the relief and recovery creams from Escape Artists. It's the highest order topical brand in Colorado that prioritizes quality and consistency. Escape Artists produces these creams that help penetrate for deep muscle tissue discomfort that's fast absorbing. Plus, they're not greasy and they're not going to stain your clothes or your sheets. And the best part about it is you can find it at your local Lightshade dispensary. There's 10 in the Denver metro area, soon to be 11. And Lightshade has a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flour, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. And now, podcast listeners can get 25% off non-sale items with code DNVR. Shop online at lightshade.com for pickup or visit a Lightshade location near you. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD coffee is infused with CBD. CBG can be delivered to your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks. You can have four, five, maybe six cups of coffee without any jitters. Can't beat that. And now first-time customers can get 25% off with your first purchase using code DNVR25 over at StravaCraftCoffee.com. Joining me today... Very excited, very enthused about this bunch of writers that we've got here from Rocks Pile, from Purple Row, some some great friends, a cast of characters that have been coming on all off season long. And we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame. We're going to talk about the class of 2022. One guy gets in. Our guy, Todd Helton, gets a little bit closer. What does that mean for the future? What is today? Is it a good day? Is it a bad day? Where does it go? But first up on the docket, the man who has the most jackets. He's a member, I think he's officially a member of the Five Timers Club. Got to introduce him there. Mr. Kevin Henry from Rocks Pile. What's going on, Kev? What's up, Patrick? How are you, man? Good to see you. Excellent. Glad to have you here on this. I know you were on the, the Big Poppy Zoom yeah. call that was there. How, how cool is that to be a part of you that? Know, I wish I could be that coolly dressed. I'm just going to tell you, there. I can't keep up with Big Poppy in the dress. There's just no way. But uh, no, that, that was really cool. I mean, obviously a guy who's very... Uh, appreciative, a guy who was passing out compliments to everybody from Noma uh, all the way to Pedro, you know, all the way around. So it was a it was a good, really interesting call. I know we're going to dive into that a little bit. Next up is the man from the area where we have the first ever professional baseball team. He's in and around the parts of Cincinnati. Uh, he's an Ohio guy. It might be too broad of a term. Also from Rock's Pile, Noah Yingling. Noah, were you surprised about Poppy getting in today here on the first ballot? No, I wasn't, especially after the uh, vote, uh, after the votes were being tabulated by Ryan Thibodeau, of course, on Twitter. Um, it seemed like Ortiz would get in, but just barely. And sure enough, it was just barely because he got what it was 78 percent of the vote, 77.9, something like that. Um, and I thought he would be somewhere in between that 75 to 80 range. And sure enough. That was it, and he was the only one in. As Bonds and Clemens were the next two highest ones, and they were still nine, ten percent away. Yeah, and finally, the lefty out of our pen. You know him from Purple Row. You know him from the Field of Dreams, right? He's he's played there. He's been around. Went to the same university as as a couple notable fo- folks, Pat Van Deet, as well as Isaac Collins. Nice little prospect in the in the Rocky system. Give it up for Justin Wick. How you doing, buddy? Man, I'm well. First of all, I'm surrounded by some royalty on this show to begin with, so I've got to make sure I'm bringing my A game with this. But seriously, thank you guys for putting this together. This is a very cool crew that we got right here, and it's nice to know that I'm not the only one with maybe some choice feelings about all this Hall of Fame stuff going on. So, 
it's nice that we'll have a civil hour to talk about it. But, you know, once again, very cool to be hanging out with you guys. And thank you for putting this together. It very much will be civil. And I, and I think I know how Noah and Kevin feels, how they, how they feel about the PED guys. But, Justin, you talked about there, there being some emotions today. Were, were you surprised about David Ortiz getting in? And, and you know, where do you stand as, as far as these PED guys? We'll kind of dive right into it. You know, let me know what you think. Man, well, first, I mean, Noah, you bring up a good point about talking about Thibodeau and all of the calculations that were being put together. And I guess kind of my initial thought about it is just looking at the actual percentages and seeing how low David Ortiz dropped from what was reported earlier this morning that we knew versus when it was the final the final calculation, all the percentages and how they dropped low. So I thought that was, I suppose, to be expected because the people that put their names on the ballot, maybe they didn't want to necessarily face the backlash of keeping the home run king off of it. So I figured that was going to be what it was, but seeing how low it dropped in a hurry, that was the big surprise that I had. So, you know, I saw, I don't even know who tweeted this out this morning and I should cite my source, but I guess the general expression was, you know, it doesn't take a bunch of writers to put Barry Bonds in the hall of fame, like kind of people saying he's in, like he, he is, he's the home run King and you don't need a plaque to necessarily be a proverbial hall of famer, if you will. So that's kind of the view that I've taken of it. I've thought of it in terms of, you know, Pete Rose for the same reasons. Pete Rose is a Hall of Famer. No, he isn't, but yes, he is type of thing. So I look at it going, you know, Roger Clemens tweeted something out talking about he didn't play for the writers. He didn't play for the Hall of Fame. He played for the making an impact and just being the kind of person that he could be on the field. So it has, I'm looking through this, and I know this is not a very constructive comment to say, but what does it really mean? Like, this is just a bunch of writers getting around a round table saying he's worthy and he's in. And, you know, the hypothetical expression, it didn't change anything. You know, Barry Bonds is still who he is. Larry Walker was who he was, even if he didn't get in type of thing. So, you know, seeing this and at the same time, you know, it does mean something, though. I mean, if it didn't mean something, we wouldn't be all gathered together right now, of course. So. I've seen this as it's a huge paradox that I don't really know. I mean, this is part of the reason I was so excited to be on this panel is because I needed to talk through it with somebody type of thing. But yeah, there's so many different it's a mixed ways. Message, right? It's it's like yes. you said, paradox. It's a mixed message. You say first ballot, first opportunity. David Ortiz, a guy who did test positive for PEDs. Now we don't actually know what PEDs those were, but nevertheless, it was all part of the Mitchell report. It was supposed to be kept hidden. It was supposed to be private. It did get publicized, similar to. Uh, the way Barry Bonds and, and Roger Clemens, their use of performance-enhancing drugs was publicized, but it was during a time in which there were no penalties for using those kind of substances. And it was only until after that that players you know, would were, were get suspended. And yet we still see some guys who have been suspended that got some support in Alex Rodriguez uh, and uh, Manny Ramirez as well, still being on the ballot. So Noah, Kevin, do, do you find this to be somewhat of a of, of a paradox and, and kind of a, a mixed message that Ortiz goes in first ballot, but we're also saying, hey, last opportunity to get in Bonds and Clemens, and they kind of they back off a little bit, and, and those guys will, will not be getting in uh, due in large part to the BBWAA. Noah, all you first, man. I'll follow your lead. For me, I'm, especially if someone of my age range, I'm – Someone that uh, I guess I fall into the curmudgeonly old man thing in a way, <laughs> and that I if, if I had a vote, I would not have the steroid uh, accused guys on there. Some of them it flat out admitted it. Andy Pettit admitted it. Um, Gary Sheffield admitted it. And then there's guys like A-Rod, Manny. They had positive tests. So automatically for me, no. And part of it is too, I, I'm in a way I'm a newer age voter in that there are so many players on this ballot that really should be in the Hall of Fame. But when you have the 10 player limit, you kind of have to make some decisions. So like for me, if I had a 10 player limit, I would not have Bonds. I would not have had Clemens. I would not have had Ortiz. 
Yeah, and I think and I think the average too of of on the votes uh, according to the Baseball Writers Association or rather the Hall of Fame was there was about seven guys on on an average ballot there cut out for a second there Noah, but but Kevin, yeah, you're you're there. I, I think uh, I, I was wrong about you, Noah. I didn't realize how you felt about the PED guys as far as keeping them out. So in a sense, that's that's uh, somewhat consistent at least with. Uh, with, with, with how you feel in, in a sense, Kevin, what, what has been your take on this? Well, no, and I, no, and I have had the back and forth about this several times, uh, you know, and, and we, one of the few that. things we disagree on. True, <laughs> absolutely. You know, but, but I'm a guy that I don't think it's fair that MLB has passed it down to the writers to be the judge I'm and the jury. Completely agreed. Yeah. I think that it's something that if bonds records should not be there, if Clemens, you know, all his awards and everything should be wiped out, then MLB should have done that. MLB never did. And so I'm of the belief that if it's not enough for MLB to strike all the records and strike everything else, I don't think that should be left to the writers. Therefore, I've got to look at what happened during that period, the numbers that were put up. And I'm a guy that, you know, I don't have my vote yet, but I'm a guy that I would have voted for Bonds. I would have voted for Clemens. Uh, you know, I think that they, it's hard to tell the history of baseball without those guys. And, and I believe that if MLB didn't want them in the hall, then MLB itself should have done something to prevent that rather than going, you all decide. Justin, we'll wait and see what happens next year with the veterans committee, because bonds Clemens, as well as Schilling and Sammy Sosa, they will be eligible for today's game committee. So they've, They've been out of the game for 15 years, so they could be eligible for that. We'll see if they get on in that first Veterans Committee ballot. But how strange is it to see and, and know that in the Baseball Hall of Fame there in Cooperstown, the guy with the most home runs is not in it. The guy with the most Cy Young Awards in seven with Roger Clemens is not in it. And the hit king, the, the, the guy with the most hits, Pete Rose, also not in the Hall of Fame. Yes. And, you know, Kevin, you bring up a good point about if Major League Baseball isn't going to wipe out those records, I think that's kind of the honorable way of looking at it. And, you know, for the same reasons that the NCAA is vacating Heisman Trophy winners or March Madness tournament winners, I think that, you know, if you're not going to let somebody in like that, I think there's probably an argument that the suspensions for PEDs aren't substantial enough. You know, if you said, here's the punishment for Barry Bonds, however many games that he had to serve or anybody else that's had to serve it, you know, proverbially, a suspension is in place to make sure that that is your punishment. And at the end of your punishment, you are essentially an equal player again. At least that's the way it is for a bench clearing brawl. You serve your suspension, you move on. It's over. It's all taken care of. So I think that, you know, the fact that I understand maybe the suspensions weren't harsh enough. It's all a learning curve. But theoretically, and this is the stance that I've always taken on it, you know, Barry Bonds still hit the most record, hit the most home runs. and despite any suspensions that may have played out major league baseball should have suspended him more games in order to make sure that he wasn't the home run King based on, you know, if it truly is bad enough that he did enough steroids that he is being withheld from the hall of fame. Why wasn't he withheld from games while he was playing for a suspension at that point? So I think that's, it, it's very tough because again, we're dealing with a time and a place where we didn't really know it was out of control. We, it was uncharted territory because it was all new to science and we didn't have it ever at any point before that. So I get that we're navigating kind of a fine line and now we have a much better understanding for where it is. But I think that it's very difficult to discredit the lack of understanding now that we do know better because we didn't know better back then. And it's not necessarily fair to withhold that just because we didn't know. So I think another kind of argument for this is let's say for whatever reason, Omar Vizquel got inducted a couple of years ago. Can we take him out? If you're not going to let these people in, can we take Ty Cobb out for all of the different details? I mean, we don't need to get into those specifics, but you know, if we're kind of putting all of this proverbial, this is the complete package, and as soon as your plaque goes up on the wall, it's there forever, you're in. And yet, what if we find out something years down the road that maybe this wouldn't have been voted in? Maybe the writers had a lot more power than they thought of. So again, how do you take away Hall of Fame? Like That's kind of the argument that I'm seeing of, whether or not we want to believe that Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer. Pete Rose is. You can't take the plaque away. You can always kind of give it, but yeah, this, this whole give and take, and I understand this is a very open-ended kind of discussion. I kind of would love to hear what you guys have to say about that. But, 
you know, that's kind of the stance that I've really leaned heavily on as far as maybe the suspensions weren't significant enough. And maybe we need to take that into consideration when we're actually putting the ballots together. And that's something that I know you and I have in an upcoming episode uh, that we recorded about the future of baseball in the next 25 years. And we kind of get to that. Hey, hey, what's a way that we can address some of these guys with uh, a nefarious past, things of that nature? So Stay tuned. I think next week that episode will drop here on DNVR Rockies podcast. And that's some of the great content that we're providing you now. If you're not already a member to the DNVR.com, it's not only 50 cents for your first month. If you want an annual membership and you're ready to go all in, guess what? You're going to get a free shirt at DNVRlocker.com. You get a bigger beer when you're down at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in York. We've got some amazing watch parties going on all the time for Nuggets and Avs. We've got the Goaties going down on Saturday, the best of 2021, talking about the best moments, the best plays, the best athletes of the year. It's always popping off. So make sure you're subscribed now. Only 50 cents for your first month on dnvr.com. And those of you that came out to a lot of those tailgates for the Broncos, well, you are enjoying and scarfing down some sexy pizza. One of the best local pizza places in all of Denver for 13 years. They've been representing the community with their hand-tossed deck oven pizza with made-from-scratch each morning dough. They do an amazing job donating to various charities and nonprofits right here in Colorado. If you're looking to have sexy pizza support your organization or event, go to www.sexy.pizza and check out their about page for donations link to see how sexy pizza can support your cause. And stop by any of their four Denver locations on Capitol Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, and Park Hill with the new location in Trinidad now finally open. Finally, got to let you know it's championship round of the NFL playoffs and DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL is celebrating a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, you can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? Don't worry, because you can still get in on the action with same game parlays. That's where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. And the more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code DNVR for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. As Justin said, talking about the, this PED use and these players during a time in which it was pretty rampant, but the league benefited from it and the owners benefited from it. The values of their organizations and their, their franchises definitely benefited from it. I think the thing that I keep coming back to when you talk about Clemens and Bonds, as well as even a guy like Sammy Sosa, who is really discarded in this conversation uh, in a big way, is that if Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa and Roger Clemens weren't doing things. Also, we don't even have the same information on Sosa as we do Clemens and Bonds. But if Clemens and Bonds weren't doing it, wouldn't there have just been somebody else who stepped up in their place? Is that So keeping these guys out, is that indicative of them as being bad human beings or just them being a part of this system that MLB allowed to run rampant? It's not an easy question. What do you guys think? I'm going to go back to when baseball needed to be saved. Remember yes. the McGuire-Sosa home run derby? Everybody was tuning in. The jump that baseball had after what had been, let's be honest, a pretty cruddy 1990s there. And all of a sudden, now baseball's back. Everybody's tuning in for Sosa-McGuire. Did MLB do anything at that time to say, eh, I'm not so sure you ought to do this. We need to back off a little bit. No. It was, you know, let's push it down throats. Let's make sure that everybody's watching this. And again, I go back to, you know, McGuire's nowhere to be found, obviously, on these Hall of Fame ballots. Sosa at least lasted. But I really think it's something that you've got to look at. That time I know was different, but how do we celebrate those moments now? You know, MLB Network tonight showed Barry Bonds breaking the home run, uh, you know, record. You know, it's still celebrated. It's still in the record books. So, again, I go back to my point earlier that we know a lot more now than we did in the late 90s whenever we were pushing for McGuire or Sosa to break that record. And all of a sudden, you know, it, it feels a little dirty, but it still happens. So what do you do? 
For me, I was going to say, well, first off, I'm going to rebut on Kevin what he said there in the first segment of how it's hard to tell the history of baseball without Bonds and Clemens. In the word, uh, well, yeah, it's really a word of uh, former MLB manager Mike Sosia, poppycock. My That's goodness. a bunch of bull. My goodness. Parental can... advisory, apparently, now all of a sudden on DNVR Rockies. No, no you gotta alert me off. this. This could be your last appearance, so get, get your money's worth. Yeah. Go for it. So, the, the thing is, is that if, okay, you want to tell the history of baseball, who invented baseball? The Pilgrims, right? We don't know. We, oh. we have no idea who even invented the, the game. If you look on Google right now, if you type in True. inventor of baseball, it says Abner Doubleday. That's false. So you can't even tell the history of the sport correctly. Then also, too, if you look at, for example, in the Hall of Fame, there are three floors in the Hall of Fame. I know this is this is very niche, but there are three floors in the Hall of Fame. I love this. Less than half of the first floor is the plaques. Barry Bonds has stuff in the Hall of Fame. Pete Rose has stuff in the Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens has stuff in the Hall of Fame. They don't have plaques, but they're in the Hall of Fame. Dallas Braden's in the Hall of Fame because he, he threw a perfect game. Justin's because manager. it's a museum as well. That's yeah. the key. And, and that's, that's true. Where they, that's where they draw the line is it's the Hall of Fame and museum. One of our great members here, Will, asks uh, an interesting question or makes a great point about the public in general being very forgiving if someone is honest. If Bond tells the truth about steroid use, like Jason Giambi did, he very easily could be in. I think we've seen that with Andy Pettit as a guy who said he used it to, you know, briefly you know, to get back on the field to stay healthy, which if you know a little bit about steroids and had some good conversations this week with some folks, that's really what it's going to help you do is, is recover from injuries and, and get back on the field. And so that will be interesting to see, you know, what kind of tact Clemens and Bonds takes. I, I think they're very uh, staunchly supportive of, of themselves and saying, look, I did what I did and I'm not going to apologize for it. That might've made the difference for voters in the BBWAA, but what does that mean? That admittance, if you will, what does that mean to their peers? How are they going to feel? You know, this, I, if you guys don't mind me taking this, I remember a couple years ago, Brian Kenny actually wrote a book called Ahead of the Curve, and he talks about Mickey Lolich, pitcher, 80s, looked like the Bartolo Colon of the era. If you compare his figures to Jack Morris, who is now in, it's like they're exactly the same. And I think so much of it is public perception. And, you know, Kevin, you made reference to the writers having this much power. The writers are susceptible to storylines. You look at David Ortiz. Everybody loves David Ortiz. There's Yankee fans that love David Ortiz. Nobody loved Barry Bonds. That doesn't <laughs> negate what he did. That doesn't negate the kind of player he did. But, you know, we're putting storylines now. We're putting unnecessary bias that's going into this. All of a sudden, if you're a likable figure, for some reason, you're getting into the Hall of Fame type of thing. So, I mean, that's part of the reason I'm not trying to suggest Mariana Rivera shouldn't have been a unanimous Hall of Famer. But, you know, if he wasn't as likable of a guy, I don't know if he would have been. I think there's so much of a public perception that really goes into this. So that's actually a very good comment. Um, I, I kind of feel guilty, too, because, you know, we're all being writers ourselves. We're all susceptible to this. And, you know, at the same time, you do watch baseball for the storylines. But if somebody in a public perception isn't maybe the nicest person, I mean, you look at the stories of the Yankees in the 1980s and how Reggie Jackson's feeding off of his manager. There's a lot of feuding there. There's a lot of potential calling people out. That doesn't mean anybody was a bad person type of thing. But, you know, you're putting inherent bias that's going into the Hall of Fame. And like you mentioned, you know, maybe the Hall of Fame, maybe the Hall of Fame and museum, maybe we reserve the museum for the storylines and maybe we reserve the hall for the actual concrete figures of what it is. So, again, where do we draw the line? Where is the red line in the Hall of Fame and museum that we really start towing at this? But I think so much of it is subject to public perception. And, you know, I have every reason to believe that if you're a nice guy, you get extra votes. And maybe if you're a little bit more hardcore or a little bit more reserved with the media, you're not getting as many votes as those other guys. You know, I, I got to say, uh, going back to your comment that just came through on social media, it's spot on, you know, and, and I go back to one of my favorite lines from the musical wicked the most celebrated are the rehabilitated and it's exactly right 
we are very open to those who fall on the sword and say, I did wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I learned my lesson. You know, I think back to so many people outside of even baseball, the, the Mike Vicks of the world. I mean, think about all the people who have come out and said, I was wrong in doing this. And, and Big Poppy has done a great job of rehabilitating his image and making him that lovable guy. You know, you think back to what he did right after the, the, the Boston Marathon incident that happened and how he really rallied Boston around. There's no way that you're not going to love this guy if you're in that area. So, you know, I, I agree, Justin, completely. I think a lot of this comes down to likability. And, yeah, we're all human. We're all biased. We all like certain guys more than others, connect with other guys. And, and I think it does make an impact for sure. And Ortiz did that when he was a player. It, it didn't happen after his career was over, kind of like A-Rod a little bit. And, Noah, since you've, you know, you've already gone off course here and, and are probably going to be banned, do you want to go ahead and kind of <laughs> – Recap that phrase, uh, the, uh, the the statements that uh, David Ortiz made there in Boston after the bombing. No, no, don't. If you remember what he yes. says, <laughs> he said, this is our city, guys. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, with a few adjectives in between. This is our poppycock city. There. Yes. I, you know what? I said it. You're back oh, in. Wow. <laughs> Two wrongs do make it right. No, it's okay. I've now said it. So it's, it's all well, good. It's funny because I was just going to say for what kevin was saying earlier of okay back in the 80s 90s there were players that were taking it and mlb didn't have any repercussions and mlb they essentially profited off of it but two wrongs don't make a right i can't tell you how many people have said to me well bond should be in the hall of fame if bud selig's in the hall of fame i bud selig shouldn't be in the hall of fame but he is i can't do anything about that I mean, he flat out turned a blind eye to it. And then he was the main instigator of the 94-95 strike. And guess what? You wouldn't have needed to have guys be on steroids and have the 98 home run chase if there wasn't a strike in the first place. So, okay, so he he did all these wrongs, and okay, now he's in. I, I can't do anything about that. I can't even do anything to, to vote on guys in general. But there's nothing we can do about that. And then on the topic with Ortiz, part of it, I think with him is he was on so many successful teams. I mean, Edgar Martinez, it took him till his 10th ballot and he was a DH almost his entire career. If David Ortiz stays with the Seattle Mariners, the, the first team he was with, or if he's with the Minnesota twins for his entire career, they didn't do Jack squat. Is he a Hall of Famer then? Probably not. And then on the topic of being a nice guy, and I know I mentioned this with you, Patrick, last time I was on, Albert Bell. Albert Bell, he did have a cork bat in 1994. And he had a really short career, 12 years. But he had, from 92 to 2000, he averaged 38 homers and 123 RBI a season with a 147 OPS+. plus. And in 95, it was a strike-shortened year. He had 50 homers and 50 doubles, or actually 52 doubles. But when you go on a profanity-laced tirade against Hannah Storm and numerous other reporters in your career, you're going to have what exactly happened to Albert Bell. His second year on the ballot, he got 3.5% of the vote. Yeah, once you're deemed a bad guy, you're right. That 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 brush has been painted. And I appreciate you too. This will be a good segue to to move on to our guy Todd Helton. As Albert Bell, some of you may know out there, was originally known as Joey Bell and was a member of the Colorado Springs Sky Sox there in the late nineties, uh, since they were an affiliate for Cleveland at that point and uh love those smiles that we got here on our live feed here again if you're listening to this as a podcast fantastic you can go over and see four handsome ish faces uh on our dnvr story and then channel. there's me so sorry there's three and then me sorry all right <laughs> it's, it's it's two it's it's kevin and justin and then then us two yeah you're, you're right something like that you you figure it out that'll be that'll be the next poll that we have to do on twitter how many handsome ish faces do we have uh, and you have to have at least 
0.5 is going to be one of the options, you know, and then we'll, each one of us will, will take credit for it. Just like the folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans around town, especially those of our Dean Vera listeners who switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. Now, when you schedule a cleaning x-ray or exam, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. That's what we've got down on the corner of Colfax and York, but they're also our official seltzer. Yeah, now you can get a 15 can sampler anywhere they sell alcohol, Costco, Safeway, anywhere you name it, and get the, the honeydew, black cherry, peach, delicious 15 can sampler, the tap pack for Ryan Altapia, as, as we like to call it around here. And the best part about Breckenridge Brewery's hard seltzer is that they're donating profits to the National Parks Conservation Association this year to help prevent forest fires okay speaking of things heating up todd helton gets 52 percent of the vote 205 votes say yay for mr rocky of the 384 votes uh, that were out there or was it 394 394 and 11 people just didn't vote at all there were 11 people that didn't even submit any ballot he's up from 44.9 percent 180 votes last year so things are definitely trending up for todd helton that i think for a lot of us that's the number that we were looking at most david ortiz gets in or not great but we care a lot about todd helton you, you feeling good about today if, if, if you're a rockies fan if you're covering this team you feeling good about uh todd helton getting uh that number at 52 percent yeah absolutely i mean when you look at Helton, you're like, okay, especially Rockies fans, like, for example, on our podcast, when we were discussing our Hall of Fame ballots, we we're like, okay, we don't have to convince anybody on Tel on Todd Helton. So Todd Helton would be on our ballot, but next. I mean, for Rockies fans, you don't have to convince them. Nationally, when you're looking, especially on the East Coast, because for whatever reason, outside of New York, if the nothing exists period baseball anything um for todd helton he needs some convincing with them fortunately some of them have uh obviously uh seen the light shall i say considering just in 2019 he had 16 and a half percent of the vote but he's had a steady increase in the last few years and actually this year was his lowest increase because he went from 16 and a half to 29.2 to 44.9 so this year he had 52 percent so he had a little over seven percent increase um but he also has a few years remaining actually six years remaining so i think especially with getting over that 50 percent threshold i mean how many how many players in the history of baseball especially now that jack morris is in and that gil hodges is in how many players are there that have gotten above 50% of the vote, haven't gotten in the Hall of Fame, that aren't tied to steroids? In fact, I think none of them. I, I don't even think, Bingo. well, well, now, now we've got the Bonds and Clemens guys. You're right. But up, yeah. going up to I'm this chilling. point now, right, going up to this point, everyone that's gotten 50% or more has been in the Hall of Fame just before today, that is, because Gil Hodges was the last one who had gotten 50%, and he's yeah. now finally in. So that's been a, a good mark. And I do think, and 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 I think we – we don't need to continue the conversation about the PED guys, but eventually I think we will see a veterans committee probably put in, you know, the bonds, the Clemens uh, and, and, and the shilling type. So I, I think it's like you said, that 50% mark was huge. Justin, what are your thoughts on Mr. Rocky's uh, big day today? Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting to follow. I mean, just if you have a line graph of as soon as these guys got put on the ballot and the way they progress, you know, Noah, you make up a good point of talking about that 50% threshold. If you're working at the, first half of maybe your eligibility of the 10 years on the ballot, it's inevitably kind of a matter of time. And I guess where I struggle with this, especially just with the voting format as a whole is, you know, if these are, if these guys are hall of famers, what are we waiting for? Like their stats are done. Like Todd Helton, I mean, for better or for worse, he, he's not going to change. I mean, unless some huge investigation comes out by any means, but you know, we already know. And I think that, this is another thing that I really struggle with as far as how many of these writers are just caving to peer pressure or how many of them are just putting their feet up on their desk saying, we're just going to sit here and wait. I mean, as soon as these guys stepped off the field for the final time, they essentially wrapped a bow around their career and everything was concrete and everything was good to go. So 
I think that really weakens the argument as far as why writers are the ones that are in charge of Hall of Fame voting, because, you know, they're publicly stating that by just the increase of Larry Walker, I believe in 2014, he was polling at 12 percent and he's seven percent away from getting taken off the ballot entirely. I think I remember I saw a tweet that got put together talking about, you know, somebody else. I guess I, I should with the disclaimer that 2014 ballot had 12 guys that are now in the hall. And when you can only vote for 10, you know, maybe that's part of it. But, you know, first of all, how much of it is dependent on the years that you were on the ballot? You know, we saw that with Larry Walker having a lot of misfortune early on. But, you know, he didn't poll above 50 percent until year number nine. And why? Like, I mean, if he was always worthy at that point, why is it that we're putting the urgency down? And let's say in a hypothetical universe, you get 20 years on the ballot. I am not so sure that Larry Walker would be in yet. I think it was the urgency of people running out. And I think it was just the susceptibility of, you know, for some reason, these writers are just dipping their foot in the water and trying to see which way the current is going, you know, just decide which way the current you're a writer, you're qualified enough to hold the ballot to begin with. So that's what I really struggle with as far as this, you know, fortunately for a guy like Larry Walker, it worked out. And this is the trajectory that we now know. But I think there's a huge argument to be said about, you know, if these guys are legitimately Hall of Famers, there's nothing that we really need to wait for. I think there's some truth in in the idea of, of being swayed a little bit, especially when you think about Mariano Rivera getting 100%. I don't know that we will ever see that again. I, I, I think with the rise of the public ballots and Ryan Thibodeau keeping track of these public ballots, I think that that put a lot of people's feet to the fire more than normal. And it was, oh, shoot, I don't want it to come out that I'm the only person, even if I have a private vote. And I, and I think that might've swayed those two or three people because in the past, why wouldn't you have even voted for Tom Seaver? Like Nolan, Ryan? like there, there are guys you can go back for decades that were first ballot players that got 94% or 95. How are you not voting for those guys? And, and that's fine. That's their right. But I, I think we are seeing a perfect confluence of events that allowed Mariano to get that 100%. So I don't, I don't know that we're, potentially ever really going to see that again predictions here again we've got another comment saying is it 24 or 25 gets in i got my thoughts what do you guys think as far as does does first off does he get in at this point now with getting over that 50 percent mark and knowing what we know about the importance of that figure for future hall of famers I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, Todd Helton gets in, and I'm going to say he gets in before his 10th ballot. So unlike Larry Walker, we're, uh, we in Rocky's kingdom will not be you know, sweating it out to that last ballot. Uh, but I do think it's probably going to take a couple more years for that to happen. Uh, I could even see it being the class of 2025. And I still think that the, the unfortunate thing is that if you look on the coast, there is so much that Coors Field is worse than PEDs in the mind of so many voters. And I think that that's something that, you know, all of the Rockies, are, you know, you look at who's coming down the pike, the Tulos, you know, the, the, the Cargos, the Holidays, all these guys are going to have that Coors Field question. And thank God Larry brought through it. And, and I know Todd will as well. But it's always going to be something, somebody on the ballot, the minute that they say, oh, they played for the Rockies for X amount of years, it's going to be the Coors narrative just as much as we've talked PEDs and Bonds and Clemens earlier tonight. Noah, what have you got? What Does he does Todd Allen get in? And if so, what year? We're, we're going to put you down nice and early, see if you can predict it. Maybe like a DraftKings type early, early projection here. What are your thoughts? For me, I think, I don't think he'll get in next year, but he will get significant momentum. And the reason why is look at next year's first ba- uh, first ballot players. You got Carlos Beltran and then crickets. I mean, Fra- Francisco Mike, Rodriguez, maybe, but right. Yeah. I Paul mean, if, monitor like him, but you're right. That's, yeah. that's not overwhelming. And Beltran, he's got his own uh, issues on top of all of that too. So you're right. And then he's he, going to help. Yeah. And then if you look at the following year, okay. Adrian Beltre. Joe Maurer, Chase Utley, Matt Halliday in, Bartolo Colon. To me, most of those guys are borderline. Um, I think Beltre has the most obvious case, and then probably Utley. Um, Maurer would be next then after that. So perhaps he doesn't get as much in 2024. 
but I, I think it's probably 2025 because especially if you look at that Hall of Fame class and you're like, okay, there's Ichiro, there's CC Sabathia, and then it really falls off after that. Dustin Pedroia probably would have been in had he been able to stay healthy. But is Ian Kinsler a Hall of Famer? Is Felix Hernandez? Probably not. Is Troy Tulowitzki a Hall of Famer? Probably not. Too injured. You know, I think it's kind of crazy that we, I mean, again, Noah, you do bring up a great point. And that's, I mean, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. But, you know, how silly is it that we're comparing Hall of Fame candidacies based on the other people that are like, if you're worthy of the Hall of Fame, you yeah. should, it shouldn't matter who's going to necessarily be on the ballot with you type of thing. That's something that I've always kind of struggled with. And, you know, I understand, yes, you need a ballot, you need a cap. You, it's, it's imperfect, but it's about as close as we can kind of get for it. But, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily like to pose this and then not necessarily have a solution for it. But, you know, that's something that I always kind of was thinking how crazy is it that the only reason we're trying to formulate when Larry Walker, or excuse me, when Todd Helton gets in is based on, you know, the company that he actually has on a sheet of paper. And, you know, that's kind of a silly way to at least pick the best in the game at that point. So you think Justin, you, you saw his career right here in Colorado. So I'm going to guess that, that you do think he's a hall of famer. What, what year y'all going 2025? That seems to be the, the consensus here or be a little bit sooner, maybe a little bit later. You know, I think, his his jump today was I, I hate to call it underwhelming. I thought he was going to get a little bit more than what he got today. So I was initially optimistic going it might be as early as next year or 2024. But seeing the way that the jump was, I also think there's something to be said about, you know, Larry Walker made a 25 percent jump in his final year. But that was also year 10 on the ballot. So I think that you probably have to play a little bit more of the long game. I think 25 is probably reasonable. I I guess the best way I can answer this, I would be shocked if it went beyond 2025. I can't say it would necessarily, I mean, we're also talking about an imperfect system too, though. So I guess I don't really know what goes on. I, I think there's a good chance Larry Walker gets into the hall of fame in 2023. And here's why. No, you, you, you took the first part of it. The, the incoming class is really not going to do, much of anything. I don't think it's going to be very distracting. Then again, A-Rod's still going to be around. There's, there's still going to be those guys that will attract attention. Uh, Justin, great point. I think Larry getting that big bump was more due to his final year on the ballot. So that, that makes all the sense in the world. But if you look at from the, the standpoint of who is going to be on next year's ballot. So Todd Helton is, uh, had the sixth most amount of votes this year. So he's at the 52% mark. And everyone except Scott Rowland ahead of him is coming off the board. David Ortiz, he's in. He's not going to be on the ballot next year. Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, they're gone. So there are going to be more than half of the writers in the BBWAA, when they get their ballot, they're, they're already most likely going to be locked in. And they're going to think about, well, you know what? I didn't vote for him last year, but I know at least half of the other voters uh, and my friends and 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 compadres did vote him in. And so, you know what? Uh, I, I might do that. That was similar to Larry Walker. He was eighth uh, in, in 2019 before he got the big bump, but everyone that was ahead of him was that same group of guys. It was Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling. And so they didn't get the votes, but he did. And so when you look at what the next year's ballot is going to be, Billy Wagner, Helton and Roland are the only three from this year that got more than 50% that's going to be on next year's ballot. So in one way, I want to, I want to get people hyped and say, you know what, it really could go down next year when you put it in that uh, perspective. But if it doesn't, that certainly will be a little bit disappointing, especially if anyone goes and, and books a room there and in, in Cooperstown down on, on main street, but it's definitely coming and it's coming really soon. And that's, that's exciting for Rockies fans to this time, even be able to go to attend this bad boy, unlike last time with, with Larry and, and, and everything getting pushed back and there's going to be no celebration. And then finally they get it done in September. So it, it's a good day from that perspective. Well, no, I guess, yeah. You know, something that I've kind of thought as far as, I guess this is kind of the hinting at, you know, the PED discussion and everything that we've had, the wholesome sense on the ballot. Patrick, you actually have me convinced. I think you probably will get in next year. I don't mean to change my take on this, but you bring <laughs> up a good point on this. But, you know, seeing that the company that these people are surrounded by, and I think that probably the best measuring stick to be able to judge this on is 
where Scott Rowland goes, I presume that is going to be where Todd Helton is going to follow. And I think that it's almost too bad that we have such a system, like a systemic attitude toward this. But, you know, we're starting to draw a lot of correlation just based on I almost feel like you could predict this almost like the weather, which I think is kind of a shady way when you're measuring individual careers. But, you know, as you follow along and as you start to see, I think that, you know, Ryan Thibodeau, the hard work that he puts together, I think that has a huge public influence on. I mean, again, writing is all subject to public influence and that's the way it goes. But, you know, when you kind of take the veil off of this and this is something that I've always wondered, you know, let's say I had a Hall of Fame ballot. I tweeted out because that's I feel your civic duty You kind of need to do that. You're either going to have a huge crowd of people that are supporting you for like five seconds and saying this is a pretty good ballot or. Like, again, Patrick, I see, or Kevin, I see you shaking your head. Five seconds, they're going to be like, yeah, that's a pretty good ballot. And then they're going to move on. They're not going to think about it at all. Or you're going to put out a ballot that people don't agree with, and they're going to absolutely berate you. Like, there is no joy in putting a good ballot out there type of thing. So for that reason, you know, I guess I kind of understand why people wouldn't want to put that out in the public. So, uh, yeah, please do not think that I'm saying that people get support for putting a good ballot out there. They just kind of look at it and move on type of thing. So. You know, I see this and then I realize kind of the attitudes of maybe this is the public perception that it's no longer the individual ballot. It's the public's ballot. And I think this yeah. is very cool because it's giving more. I mean, we saw this with the hashtags of Walker HOF getting in type of stuff. And I think it is kind of cool to see that, you know, individual fans or just people that you know really enjoy a particular player. Maybe that's somebody like Larry Walker, as we clearly saw. I get that's kind of the prime example for this. But you know, when people are taking this to the people and you're starting to see the public regard for this, I think that the writers are very susceptible to following the lead of, I mean, they follow the story their whole career. They're going to follow the story when it comes to getting their ballot to begin with. So I think that's kind of the honorable way to seeing it. Again, I don't necessarily think that it's good that these writers are being so susceptible to this, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of good in the sense that it's giving fans and it's giving just enthusiasts of the game more power. And I think that if there's one kind of good way out of this system, that's probably the good thing about it. Yeah. The only thing that, that I would say is that, and, and I would never do this. I want to make this very clear before I even say the scenario, but the whole blank ballot scenario and the writers who put that out on social media more than anything for the clicks and the reactions. I, I think that's where we have to draw the line because if you believe strong enough, that no player deserves the Hall of Fame, just send it in to the Hall of Fame and be done with it. Don't don't sit up there on your mountain and say, you know, I am judge and jury and none of you are worthy. Uh, so I, I, I agree, uh, Justin, completely that I think social media and I think a lot of the things that we do now to, and, and again, kudos to Thibodeau and his whole crew for putting that together. But I think that also all of us on social media are so much more drawn to the drama and so much more drawn to, oh my God, is this going to happen? Is it not? You know, I, I think that that has also changed, as you said, how the voting is done and the perception of the, the writers who know that they can get a rise out of some folks if they say, let's see what happens if I just make a Jeff Kent ballot or a blank ballot. No one would do that, Kevin. That's ridiculous. that's an awful example. No one would ever have a, just a Jeff what? Kent ballot. What are you talking what? about? Who do such things? Crazy <laughs> And I will counter with that and say that for the people that have blank ballots, I you, you guys may or may not remember this. This was, I want to say 2013, maybe 2014. Just when these guys were starting to get on the ballot, Bonds, Clemens, those kind of players. And Ken Gurnick, who was the Dodgers.com writer, now he's since retired, he flat out said, I don't know if I know some of these players took steroids, but considering the era, realistically, all these players could have taken steroids. And I don't think anybody that took steroids should be in. So Hall of Fame, here's my ballot. I'm not voting ever again. He Done. should have just gotten a job with the New York Times and he wouldn't have had to have worried about I that. That's right? true. <laughs> you know, or now the athletic. I don't know. We're going to have to find out and see if those guys get votes. All right. I'm going to throw a couple names at you because these guys got less than 5%. So we're not even going to have a chance to banter about them anymore. And I think some of them, you could make a case. Your heart might not be in it, but your head, you could maybe convince yourself a little bit. If, if any of the names jump out there, go ahead and, and, and share a story or something. Joe Nathan, 4.3% in his first ballot. 
Tim Hudson, 3% in his second ballot. Tim Linscom, 2.3% in his first ballot. Ryan Howard, 2% in his first ballot. Do you think those four guys, again, I think you can make the case for all of them. They might not be great cases, but it, it's a shame that we're not going to get a chance to really break it, break it down further because, you know, Todd Helton could have been in those same shoes, you know, four years ago where we look and say, ah, oh, he got 4.7%. Yeah. Well, most people think he's, he's not a hall of famer, but they wouldn't be doing their homework. Is there more homework that maybe some people should have been doing on any of those guys? I think part of it is some of the writers did do their homework. It's just, they made the, they essentially said, okay, I have a 10 player limit. So for example, Mark Teixeira, you're not as good as Barry Bonds. So, okay, I'm going with Barry Bonds. Where now Teixeira's off the ballot. Now for me, like I said at the beginning, I would have had a 10 player ballot and I wouldn't have had Bonds, Clemens, Ortiz, Sheffield, Sosa. So, I had, uh, if I would have had a ballot, I would have had Teixeira on there. I would have had Joe Nathan on there. I would have had Tim Hudson on there. And like, for example, for our, for fan cited, we had our 38 site experts vote. And I believe all three of them would have fallen off the ballot. And a few of them, they only got one, two votes. And I knew uh, at least one of those votes was me. For for us as well, Bond and Clemens got in, just barely, but they they both got in. Now, like for Teixeira, he was one where, and this is like for me when I before I did that, I was like, okay, I think these 13, 15 guys are are at least borderline, but I'll look at the others. Teixeira was not one that I had in that 13, 15 guys, and I looked and like, huh, okay. If you look, for example, from his rookie year, 2003, even just through 2012, so that's a 10-year period, he averaged 34 homers, 110 RBI a year, a 279, 369, 527 slash line, so a 900 OPS with an OPS plus of 131. Is that a Hall of Famer for you for a 10-year period? For me, that is darn good and then joe nathan i joe nathan if he doesn't have some of the uh and really relievers in general are discounted for me i would have i had billy wagner on my ballot joe nathan is another one where relievers part of it is oh well they're only pitching one inning a game so for the people that strictly go by saber metrics which you shouldn't strictly go by saber metrics in my uh, opinion, because then you have like Joe Nathan. Okay. 26.7 more next. No. You, if you look yeah. at the seasons, you're like, okay, from 2003 through 2014, he didn't play in 2010 cause he was injured, but in that, and that from 03 to 14, he had a 244 ERA 375 saves average 34 a year. With a 177 ERA plus, a 277 FIP, a 1.01 WHIP, and he averaged fewer than three walks and nearly 11 strikeouts per nine innings. Is that Hall of Fame worthy? Especially when he had six All Star game appearances in that span and had two top five Cy Young appearance uh, um, nominations. It's worthy yeah. of more conversation, right? Yeah, I think absolutely. that you know. When you think as far as you talk about, you know, you can't just look at war and saber metrics, especially for relievers. I'm not trying to suggest that Mariana Rivera and Joe Nathan should be compared, but Mariana Rivera, a reliever, what made him unanimous? Like, as opposed to Joe Nathan, what made him knocked off on the first ballot at that point? I think that, you know, it's it's very stacked against relief pitchers just because figures aren't going to accurately kind of represent that. And you don't have the innings totals of what a starter is going to kind of put together, but you know, again, we're trying to just, you're really comparing apples to oranges. And I think that it's very one-sided as far as, unless you get like a Dennis Eckersley or somebody that's actually playing both sides of the starters or the relievers, I really don't think that the system's really in that favor. And 
you know, again, if Joe Nathan played in a market other than Minnesota for an extended period of time, let's say that he was the closer for the Red Sox in that just early to mid 2000s run that they had. You know, if you put Joe Nathan in the shoes of Jonathan Papelbon, and I understand Jonathan Papelbon also being on the ballot this year, that's maybe kind of a niche type of thing. But, you know, let's say that he was on just a dynasty type of team and he did exactly what he did in Minnesota. I would have a hard time feeling. And again, you know, is it wins? Is it the team that you're affiliated with? You know, if Todd Helton played his entire career in Boston or New York, I feel like he probably would have been a first ballot guy. Again, take the altitude out of that. I, I Let's normalize it against altitude, of course. But, you know, it's interesting to follow that along. And I think that, you know, especially I'll twist it as far as, you know, a guy like Tim Lincecum, too. I understand, you know, maybe his career wasn't necessarily as long. I saw a tweet that was talking about, you know, pick a player that maybe isn't a Hall of Famer, but still deserves a statue outside their ballpark. And well, Tim Lincecum, yeah, that'd be an awesome statue, first of all. I mean, <laughs> side note, that'd be pretty sweet. But, you know, again, I understand, you know, World Series champion out there. He got a lot of stuff done, back-to-back Cy Youngs. That's a pretty solid contingency. But, you know, I would even argue maybe there could be a clause as far as, you know, we mentioned Larry Walker was almost knocked off the ballot in 2014. Maybe that, you know, this was a very tough ballot as far as, you know, it was very top heavy with some candidates that were taking some votes away from some other people. And I would even suggest maybe if you get knocked off the ballot on your first two years, five years later, is there a chance that you can reappear type of thing just to make sure that you're not caught in a really bad window of players? I understand that's very vague. I mean, that that needs to be workshopped a lot more than the way I suggested, of course. But you know, maybe there's going to be an off year where there's not so many clear cut first ballot guys. Maybe it's not as stacked and maybe there would be a chance that we would see Tim Lincecum actually stick around on the ballot a little longer. Justin, I know why you feel the way you do about relief pitchers and we, I won't go any further than that. But <laughs> as, as you point out, Justin, about Joe Nathan and, and Noah, you, you do about, about Mark to you know, it, it's not the end of the world that these guys are off the ballot and get less than 5%, but it is it is part of the, the this process and, and having the conversations. Todd Helton and all of these guys, none of them have done anything since they've retired, yet they get more votes and, and the, the amount of people that are become converted increase. And you just have to have more of those conversations. And Tim Hudson, to me, I don't think of him as a Hall of Famer, but I went through the, the, the steps a little bit, just a little bit to go, am I missing something? And I looked and I was like, oh, he has 222 career wins. That's kind of a lot. You go back to 1995, there's only 13 players that have ever won 200 plus games. And Manny Randall, I hope you are listening to this because the win counts, at least for this era, uh, not so much right now. But the guys ahead of him in, in wins, Andy Pettit, he has the most. Okay, but CC Sabathia, Bartolo Colon, Justin Verlander, Greg Maddox, and Randy Johnson, the same amount of wins since 1995. And okay, not all of them are Hall of Famers. But they're all in the conversation, but not yeah. Tim Hudson anymore because he's knocked off and he got less than 5%. And the thing is, last year he got more than 5%. He got 5.2% yeah. of the vote. So some of the people ditched him uh, most likely for Bonds, Clemens, those kind of guys. Where, And, and that's, that's the problem, with, uh, in my opinion, with the 10-player limit. I would really, really consider, if I had a vote, of course, Bonds, Clemens, and all those guys that didn't have at least a positive test. A-Rod, I would not, because you tested positive twice. Sorry, you're you're out of luck. Manny, you tested positive twice. Sorry, you're out of luck. But I would have I would have more than 15 guys that I would really, really consider. Tim Hudson being one of them, but now Tim Hudson is is off because I mean you could argue whether or not he's a Hall of Famer. And I think you could very easily make the case that he's not. But for me, I'm like, okay, in that, for example, like eight year span, that's really what I look for, like eight, nine Hall of Fame years. Okay, he had four top six finishes for the Cy Young Award. And he had a few other all-star game appearances as well. So he definitely deserves more consideration, but you have the limit. So sorry, you're out of luck. You hear the final guys under 5% to share, as we said, one and a half percent got one vote. Actually, these percentages are, are excuse me, not one vote, six votes. Uh, Morneau, 1.3%. Our guy here from Colorado won a batting title in 2014, got five votes. 
Papelbon also with five at 1.3%. Prince Fielder and AJ Pierzynski, two votes each for half of a percentage. And Carl Crawford and 2007 NL Cy Young Award winner, Jake Peavy, you're on the ballot, but you don't get a vote. Even the guy that gets no votes, you go, he was damn good. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you, I think Justin may be onto something because if reality shows can bring back contestants, I'm thinking you bring back a guy out of nowhere, you know, the, the big reveal, bring me Kenny Lofton, put him back on the ballot, you know, bring me back some of these guys who fell off and they never should have. I'm telling you, throw a little big brother, amazing race in there. And I think now we're on to something. Maybe. I would, I really next year after they, they announced that Todd Helton gets in in class of 2023, I want to hear the glass break and I want Kenny Lofton bursting through those front doors of the hall of fame and he's back in, you know, if he has to give a stunner to, to new uh, president, Josh Rowich, I mean, whatever, he's got to do what he's got to do. Someone's got to take that bump, but yeah, let's get Kenny Lofton in here at some point. No, a final, final takeaways here for you guys. And then we'll, we'll do plugs. If there's anything left here on the cutting room floor that you found to be interesting in this ballot that you want to get out here before we, we go off air. Well, first off, I have to, since I'm in the Cleveland media market, I have to go Kenny Lofton. I have to go on that for at least a minute. So with Kenny Lofton, if you are someone who looks at sabermetrics, you look at war, and he had a 68.4 war. Now, we were just talking about how it's kind of against relievers war, but Mariano Rivera got 100%, and his war was 56, I want to say. So that's... That's something you just look at and like, okay, now granted he's an everyday player, Kenny Lofton, but you look at war for center fielders, Willie Mays, Ty Cobb, Tris Speaker, Mickey Mantle, Mike Trout is number five. That tells you something right there. Um, Kenny, uh, Ken Griffey Jr., Joe DiMaggio, Duke Snyder, Carlos Beltran, who's going to be on next year's ballot. And then you have Kenny Lofton. After that is Andrew Jones, who is someone I really think should get some more traction here in the next few years. And then you have Richie Ashburn, Andre Dawson, Billy Hamilton, not the Reds outfielder, the Billy Hamilton from decades ago. Sliding and, Billy Hamilton. Yeah. And then you still have, I mean, like Kirby Puckett is 24th. Earl Averill is 22nd. You have other guys that are, you have Hack Wilson, who's 45th, who's below Amos Otis. Former but, Rockies coach. Former yeah. Rockies bench coach or hitting coach. So there's there's some guys that really like Kenny Lofton should really be considered. Dale Murphy, Fred Lynn also fall in the center field category. Ellis Burks is 35th on that list as well. So there, there's a lot of guys that I think should be considered on veterans committees. Um, but they also have a player limit as well where they can they only can have a, a specific amount of guys on the ballot and they can only vote for a specific amount of guys as well. The other one I would say that I well, really you got 30 two, seconds left on that one minute. Noah, go ahead. OK, the other two I would say is Jeff Kent and Bobby Abreu. Really surprised that they haven't gotten more traction. Uh, Jeff Kent, part of it is because he was not a media darling. And then with Bobby Abreu, he didn't hit for the home run power, but he had a career 395 on base percentage. And he won a home run derby too. Detroit, yep. I believe. All right. So, so to recap for, for our East coast listeners, Kenny Lofton better than Mariana Rivera. <laughs> yes. I like that. Yankees fans. Well, uh, they probably already hate me. If, if they don't, they probably should. Yeah. They'll get over it. They'll, they'll learn. So uh, here's what <laughs> I think just real quick. Glad to see the Scott Rowland uh, momentum. Very excited about that. I think for me, that was one of the biggest takeaways from the day is that Helton and, and Rowland, both two guys who should be in, got that bump, got that momentum, and they're a step closer. So, yeah, there's some guys that fell off, but at the end of the day, I think the voters started seeing the light on some guys that should be in, as we talked about, either next year or coming real soon. That's what I got, man. Love it, Kevin. All right, Justin, wrap it up. What's, uh, what's some good little takeaway here that, uh, that you found here in the last hour since the announcement of David Ortiz as the, the only new member on the BBWAA ballot? Of course, there's going to be six other guys, Bud Fowler, Buck O'Neill, Jim Cott, Minnie Minoso, Gil Hodges, and Tony Oliva. I'll take my 30 seconds of FaceTime right here. I like it. You know, I, I do kind of want to talk a little bit about PED use. And 
maybe not so much performance enhancing drugs, but what are the other substances that people are learning on? And, you know, I'll speak on my own playing career. I, of course, never took anything. As you can clearly see, I weigh like 100 pounds. But, um, you know, I think that it's you see energy drinks running rampant. You see pre-workout in bullpens. You see a lot of, I mean, amphetamines in clubhouses and you see spiked coffee. Like, I mean, it's I think a lot more commonplace than people might be led to believe. And it's almost like it's a popular thing that if you drink three or four energy drinks, that's like a big deal for a lot of people. So I would like to see, you know, especially that's a performance enhancing substance, whether or not we want to admit it or not. And I think that it's a lot more widespread than people are being led to believe. And I think there's a lot of health consequences that really can come out of this. And, you know, I'm hopeful that maybe there's, there's a huge red flag, that that's something that we really should address. And, you know, again, I'm not trying to necessarily accuse somebody of using a little pre-workout here and there of the severity of what somebody like Barry Bonds might have been taking. But, you know, I think that there's a lot of complications that really still exist. I think that there's a huge opportunity that we can really shed a light towards this. And, you know, hopefully in just encouraging, you know, safer, more sustainable ways of playing. I think that there's a lot more that, you know, baseball as a whole, maybe not so much just at the professional level, but you know, at all levels of the way that this game is played. I think that there's a lot more regulation that can be put together on this. And, you know, I don't think that performance enhancing drugs is limited to a banned list. I think that there's a whole lot more work that can be done there. I think there's a whole lot more work that should be done there. And I think that'll make this place a lot better and that'll make this game a lot better. And and what might be fine and legal today may not necessarily be legal 15, 20 years down the line. Uh, as we know, players can get special dispensation for uh, taking a, a a substance like Adderall, you know, for, for helping with focus is another one of those things that's used, but you know, that's baseball. That's the, that's the game that we love to, to steal a phrase for both Bud Black and Noah, as we know, they both love saying, Hey, that's baseball, but this has been fantastic guys. For everyone watch this live here on, on the YouTube channel again, go back and listen to it. Hold us to the fire. See who was right. Who got Todd Helton in at the right time. Uh, this this was fantastic, and we'll link to in the podcast description some amazing articles from uh, these three fantastic gentlemen, Noah Yingling and Kevin Henry. Follow them on Twitter at RocksPileFS. Justin Wick at Just Wick, writing for Purple Row. You guys have been fantastic. I, I, I appreciate you joining me for this very special Hall of Fame roundtable. So for DNVR Sports and for my guest Patrick Lyons, this has been great. And you know what they say about momentum. It's only as good as tomorrow's podcast. So I'll talk to you then.